Howdy, howdy! Bon jour. And welcome to... But it was aliens! The extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe paranormal events to determine whether those paranormal events really were paranormal. Why? That information is confidential. Hosting this week's episode is myself, Kev, and alongside me with no idea what's coming up today is Mr. Granville Moonwalker. Today, we are heading, well, staying in the United Kingdom as we cover a famous series of historic attempted events leading to a gruesome death. And you know what happens when someone experienced a gruesome death? Historically, they die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you're not wrong. (laughs) We begin our tale today briefly in 1570 in York in the United Kingdom. This was towards the end of Tudor Queen Elizabeth I's first of her first name and last of her surname's reign. I, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I have a question. Already? Yes. We've literally not covered anything yet. I know. We've got York in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we've got New York in America. Yes. Is this technically Old York? Unless there was a York before this York. The first York. Old York! Fine. For today's episode, this will be taking place in Old York. (laughs) It's going to be one of those episodes. (laughs) Elizabeth was a Protestant, and whilst privately somewhat tolerant, approximately specifically 183 Catholics were executed during Elizabeth's reign, with many more exiled, imprisoned, and tortured. Pope Pius the 12345th branded Elizabeth an illegitimate heretic on the 25th of February of 1570 and excommunicated Elizabeth by way of a papal bull, which is a fancy way of saying order. The religious conflict between Catholics and Protestants forms the backbone of today's probe. On the 13th of April 1570, in the shadow of Old York Minister, Guy, later Guido or Guido Fawkes, was born as a baby to a Protestant family. Guy's father, Edward Fawkes, was a church lawyer, which, by the way, makes me suspicious as to what the church had been up to, and Guy's mother, Edith, had secret Catholics in the family. Being Catholic was basically illegal at this time. Daddy Edward passed away when Guy was eight years of age and Edith married a Catholic, Dionysius Bainbridge. Guy was drawn to this religion like a lit firework to the night sky. Guy attended St Peter's School in Old York's Horse Fair, a school founded in six 127 Common Era, which remains operational today. Two of Guy's later fellow gunpowder plotters, spoiler alert, John and Christopher Wright, also attended this school, but we'll get to the plot shortly. The school was later rebuilt on land Guy had inherited from his Fajar. 
father. Guy sold this land to fund his leaving of Old York to fight in the religious wars, for Guy had secretly become a Catholic, and it was in 1592, at 21 years of age, that Guy joined the Spanish army, later becoming a captain. Yar! Guy joined the Catholic Spanish to fight against Protestant Dutch reformers in the 80 Years' War. Hey, Guy Fawkes. Um... <laughs> Way. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Question. I don't know if I'm not understanding it simply because we have done quite a few shots and drunk some. I've drunk some whiskey. Yeah, it's worth clarifying there. Often we record an episode or two episodes on a Friday night. That's our schedule, but during this patch, we've recorded several on a Saturday afternoon. Alongside some drinkies. After my birthday episode. <laughs> a illegitimate Herrick and a legitimate Herrick. What's mm-hmm. the difference? So an illegitimate her- heretic mm-hmm. would be someone who perhaps wasn't born into that line. Much the same as you have a legitimate child and an illegitimate child. So the illegitimate child may not have the same bloodline as the father in olden times because we were sexist bastards back in the day. So you weren't, you weren't born to be a heretic. Yes, <laughs> you're the you worst. You were molded by one. <laughs> <laughs> molded into one. <laughs> I was born a heretic. <laughs> oh, you're such a heretic. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking over my notes for that section and I've written a line in there saying that during the time of Jesus, the average male height was five foot five. (laughs) Oh, you had nothing to worry about then. You were way above average, you tall bastard. (laughs) Definitely don't don't have a complex, do I? (laughs) And um, a nice segue into the next section, actually, because Guy was tall and considered hot with red hair. An impressive moustache and a hot, sexy beard. (laughs) Guy gained a reputation during the war for being courageous and determined. And this is where Guy became known as Guido. 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 Whilst Guy was away. Sorry to interrupt. Far away. Is Guido just Spanish for Guy? Basically, yeah. Whilst Guy was away, Robert... Catesby or Catsby, depending on who you listen to, was plotting with a guy that wasn't called Guy, called Thomas Winter, or Wintour, depending on who you listen to. Hey, Guy, you can plot with a guy that's not Guy. And another non-Guy guy, guy, (laughs) Honourable John Wright. No such thing. Absolutely is. During February 1604, Catesby first suggested blowing up Parliament. Catesby needed the help of a military man. The group knew such a man may be fighting for Spain, and they also knew of Guy, as Guy, alongside John Wright's brother Christopher, had requested Spain's support to invade England in 1603. In April 1604, Catesby sent a guy to speak to Guy in northern Belgium. That guy sent to speak to Guy was a guy called Thomas Winter. Wintour. Guy returned. Not at this point knowing fully what Guy was signing up to, but Guy 
was in. What a guy. Hey, guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. So, um, did he finish his service in the Spanish army or did he just up and leave? Um, that's hard to answer because he was, he joined them. He wasn't necessarily part of the war. He chose to join the war. So, so he, he had no like requirement he was a to be there. illegitimate soldier. <laughs> he was an <laughs> illegitimate Spaniard, basically, yeah. But um, you become captain after about three years service, basically, where um, you become a commander of the largest group that a soldier can be expected to personally know. So he was there long enough to be captain. Yar. So he so went he... there off his own back to fight in a war he believed in the cause of. So did they only know him as Guido, or did they know him as Guy as I well? I guess some probably knew him as Guy, but they probably just made him. him an honorary Spaniard or an honorary Catholic and named him Guido. Just wondering how this guy that wasn't Guy managed to get to Guy whilst Guy was in the army. Oh no, I've gone cross-guyed. <laughs> I suppose because connections in olden times, people talk, they probably knew of several British folk who went over to support because it was a Catholic war. I was going to say, at any point, you may just think that's uh, an assassin. Uh, yeah. They had to and take Guido also, out. if Guido was well connected enough to present an idea to the king, then oh, he's sure. probably quite well to do, I guess, was a landowner. We've already established that. But like, I'll so. <laughs> People were probably more likely to talk about what this chap was doing and others of similar background than yeah. if I was to join a war. I see what you're saying. Guy did indeed join the group of Catholic men seeking a revolution. It's a revolution! Led, a revolution! Led by Catesby. The conspirators, when complete, and apologies, there's a lot of names, would include Robert Catesby, Thomas Wintour. Wintour's brother Robert, the Wintour's brother-in-law, John Grant, honourable, Catesby's second cousin, Francis Tresham, Tresham's servant, Thomas Bates, Guy Fawkes, Fawkes's childhood school friends, Christopher and John Wright, the Wright brothers, sorry, the Wright's brother-in-law, Thomas Percy, Everard Digby, Ambrose Rookwood, and Robert Keys, 13. Unlucky for some, eh? The gunpowder plot was in its infancy, and although later integral to the plans, Guy was not the leader as is often mistakenly believed. The plan, thrashed out at a meeting at the Duck and Drake in the Strand, London, London, on the 20th of May 1604, between the first five members of the group, Robert Catesby, Thomas Wintour, John Wright, Guy Fawkes and Thomas Percy, was to kill Protestant King James I and blow up Parliament, restoring a Catholic monarchy to England. The specifics were relatively simple in theory. Blow up the House of Lords during the state opening of Parliament, whereby the King's speech would be taking place. The King and prominent Protestants would be present. 
that would be followed by a revolt in the Midlands whereby the king's nine-year-old daughter Elizabeth would be installed as the head of state, a puppet queen raised as a Catholic. The group swore on the Bible to follow the plan. I'm just going to add here that I have genuinely, I've had this on the list for a while and haven't planned this. This episode, I think, is going to drop the week of bonfire night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd have done an introduction about that had I realised. That's awesome. It's just occurred to me as we go through that section. It's a revolution. I remember when we used to uh, go to a certain park at this time. Yeah, a local fireworks play at park. Mm -hmm. Yep. The uh, biggest in the county. I think when you've been there so many times as a teenager, you become mm-hmm. disenfranchised by it as you grow up. Yeah. Unless you have little ones. Yeah. I ain't got no little ones. So I ain't going to no goddamn fireworks. <laughs> I ain't got a baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I would go further than that and say once you've been to one, you go you've to your to second and you realise it's quite similar to the first and there's not really... It loses its sparkle, excuse the pun. I suppose after the first one, every time we went, it was just to not fuck about. It was just to hang around and do something that night, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Look around. Us and our groups. In our particular group, look around for girls that we're too scared to talk to. I'm just saying we were horny teenagers, basically. pretty much. (laughs) Woo! Ah, the concept of swearing on a Bible. I've had to do that several times for work, obviously. It's just... uh, Not to say I'm dishonest at work, because obviously I'm I'm not saying that at all. But if you're not religious, you don't give a shit. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm standing there doing things because it's the right thing to do, you know what I mean? It's not because the Lord is making me. It's like if you were... um... If you were an atheist and they go, swear on the Bible that you're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I swear I'm going to tell the truth, whole truth, not the truth. Did you kill this man? No, I fucking didn't. All the evidence points that you did. Uh, My hand is on the Bible. I'm telling you that I didn't. Oh, fine. Go on, then off you go. <laughs> Goes and murders the next person. It's... It's, it's something that really should be yeah, taken out of court. Absolutely. Not to be disrespectful, but it is now a very outdated concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just unusual they still make you do it. Except, hey, hey. uh get you to put your hand on a lightsaber and (laughs) (laughs) I swear to tell the whole whole truth and nothing but the truth did you kill this man no (laughs) lose an arm so basically you lose an arm whether you're telling the truth or not no you can hold your hand out and you just lose a hand instead and just say that like you swear to tell the truth and then if they think you're lying, off goes your arm. So yeah, if they're going to think you're lying, whatever, because they wouldn't have you up there if not. But they could essentially listen to your story and find you to be honourable and trustworthy. So um, you would be fucked. I have the most honourable an and trustworthy name of them all, my friend. You would lose an arm. You'd lose two arms. Both arms. <laughs> The group were rumoured to have begun digging a tunnel from a house leased by Thomas Percy, who was now a bodyguard Bodyguard. to the king, so had reason to have a property in London, to the House of Lords. 
with this rumour due to a confession on day five of questioning. We'll get to that, but no evidence has ever been found of a tunnel. The group came to notice, though, that someone was clearing out a cellar that went directly beneath the House of Lords in the Palace of Westminster. In March 1605, the conspirator group rented that Westminster cellar and originally loaded 20 gunpowder barrels into the cellar that had been stored at Catesby's nearby residence, overseen by a group member, Robert Keyes. The group were ready. Parliament was delayed from July until November due to the plague though, and the gunpowder barrels were believed to have possibly gone off, and so a further 16 barrels were brought in. Guy, as the explosives expert, was to light the fuse before rowing across the Thames and fleeing to Europe for support whilst the revolt took place in England, led by others in the group. Damn. I know that uh, what's his face was one of the bodyguards. Mm-hmm. How close was he to the king at that point? Close enough to be in the room with him at times. I mean, I mean, they're not best friends because it's that obviously. But worker, are you close enough person relationship that you could literally put your hands on the king? I don't know that they would have been. I'd imagine bodyguards are very regimented and That's have to be I mean. in a certain position at certain times. So they're close enough to watch and learn routines, but not close enough to touch. That's what I was wondering. Because... And if you step out of line, the other bodyguards probably jump in because it wasn't just one like, bodyguard. What are you doing out of position? Yeah, this wasn't like <laughs> Kanye walking down the street with one huge dude that's keeping the whole world off him. This is a group of like 10, 20, 50 bodyguards or something like that, yeah. I guess. Kanye turned into a novice while I gave that job up. <laughs> Are you saying that you were allegedly truthfully Kanye's bodyguard at one point? Can't divulge that information. So carry on. So this bodyguard couldn't... You've just told me to carry on, then ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling my brain to carry on. Well, it's looking at me. <laughs> So this bodyguard couldn't take out a knife and swipe at him? I don't think it's likely. Again, I don't know this for definite. I didn't go into that level of detail on the bodyguard situation. But I believe that, as I say, they're regimented. You stand at this place at this time. You watch the king's chambers, for example. You don't go in. Another bodyguard, a higher up bodyguard is in the chambers, etc., etc. Okay. So there'd been times where they'd be in the same room, but not side by side. He'd be at and one end of the, the room. The moment you step out of what your routine is, you try and pull a knife out, for example, boom, the other bodyguards are clocked it straight away and they're on you because there are lots of bodyguards. Cool. I think. Makes logical sense, otherwise you would have just got him to do it rather than... Yeah, well, maybe they were looking for an opportunity that way, working on several strands, who knows? Mm-hmm. On the 26th of October, 1605... A servant of William Parker, Parker, fourth Baron Monteagle of the House of Lords, received an anonymous letter from a stranger in the street. Upon delivering this letter to the Baron, who was brother-in-law to conspirator Francis Tresham, by the way, the Baron had it read out loud at a meal. 
the letter advised the Baron to skip this parliament as wickedness would be punished. Ooh. Mm-hmm. This letter made its way to the first Earl of Salisbury, Robert Cecil, and on to the King when King James returned from a hunt in Cambridgeshire on this 1st of November. And from there, a search of the basements below Parliament commenced. The letter contained a line stating, They shall receive a terrible blow, this Parliament. And King James immediately twigged that the term blow may indicate something involving fire and powder. Clever boy. Robert Cecil had already heard murmurs, but didn't know of the plot. Conspirator Thomas Winter, Wintour, heard the plot was discovered and encouraged the group to abandon the plan, but Catesby refused. A search was undertaken on the 4th of November and firewood was found beneath the House of Lords alongside Guy Fawkes, who claimed to be John Johnson. (laughs) This is 100% legitimate. I'm Dick Dixon, son. (laughs) Johnson, a.k.a. Guy... Never trusted John. ...claimed that the wood belonged to his master, Thomas Percy. The search party left to report their findings. Thomas Percy was a known Catholic agitator, and so suspicions raised further. The king requested a more thorough search take place, and the search party returned later that night. The search party found Guy dressed in a cloak, hat, boots and spurs, with a lantern, pocket watch, slow matches and touchwood. Underneath bundles of sticks and coal, 36 gunpowder barrels were discovered. Guy was taken to the king on the early morning of the 5th of November. Guy was funked. John Johnson, sorry. So, honourable and trustworthy John Johnson. I misread some of that. And in my head, the coolest picture appeared so guy dressed in a cloak hat boots and spurs with a lantern right slow marching towards you <laughs> not slow matches <laughs> i just imagine him towards you a lantern in the lantern. dark yep <laughs> the guards are like oh shit son we better run that's john johnson <laughs> that's what i envisioned that's pretty fucking cool to be fair, it might have been quite intimidating seeing it in these times when it was would have been really dark and just a lantern lit up mm-hmm. and like an outline. The guards could have absolutely been bricking it, except for the fact that there was one of them and several there was of numbers, those. Numbers, yeah. yeah. Numbers makes them brave. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. People get brave. A person is a coward. <laughs> yep. Unless they've got some of that Dutch courage. Mm-hmm. That magic juice, that gummy berry juice. John Johnson slash Guy probably should have had a better story up his sleeve, shouldn't he? Prepared for the chance that he would be found. Better fucking name as well. Rather than saying he was a servant of someone else in the actual group who would raise suspicions, etc. No one... He could have just said that he owned it or that he was a servant watching it so nothing happened. Everyone knows could have you said he was going for a piss. rust a John. So why did he... Not only well, actually, did he give the name of a John, he doubled up. <laughs> doubled down <laughs> on the honourableness. 
that I mean, that name has always been renowned to be very trustworthy. I have that on good authority. Maybe you thought it would uh, like a double negative. It would work that way. Cancel each other out. John Johnson. What do you reckon Guy did when they approached him? Slowly marched towards him. <laughs> in the Upon initial interrogation, Guy maintained that he was John Johnson, but a letter addressed to Guy Fawkes was found on Guy's person, you pleb. <laughs> what a wally. Guy, still claiming to be an honourable John, admitted his intent had been to destroy the King and Parliament, but revealed nothing further than his mother's name, claiming that he acted alone. Did not grass. And he didn't care about his mum either by the sounds of it. He's <laughs> a rat. At first. <laughs> King James was actually impressed by Guy's resolution. By the evening of the 6th of November, though, questioning of servants and associates of Thomas Percy, who had rented the cellar, had revealed the names of several involved in the plot. Guy maintained that he was John Steele and was transferred to the Tower of London. The King had decided to torture this John, signing an order stating, The gentler tortures are to be first used unto him, and then by degrees proceed to the lowest. After not saying shit for a day, Guy was put on the torture rack. This device would stretch the wrists at one end and the ankles at the other, gradually increasing strain on the knees, hips, elbows and shoulders past the point of dislocation to full separation. This was grim. Guy would confess by the late day of November the 7th and repeatedly over the next two days. By Guy's fifth round of questioning? Guy may have admitted to anything, and this is where the story of that tunnel came from. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, torture is horrendous mm -hmm. in itself, but you've then got to be very wary of the information that you were given by the person being tortured. Yeah, people Because just the, want pain the pain is yeah. just too much. Yeah, they, they want just that want pain it to, to end. Yeah. So they'll tell you anything absolutely to get that to stop tell you what you want to hear to stop it mm -hmm. thinking of the the immediate yep not only that i suppose you only think about it at the start until the pain becomes too much mm -hmm. but you could essentially lie trying to get out of much of the torture and torment mm -hmm. like giving up early until you realize that they're not going to stop the torture but then by then you're just spouting whatever so Again, fine line. I would hate to be tortured. Well, I don't think anyone would be particularly fond of it. <laughs> there's, a reason it's, there's a reason it's outlawed. As this progressed, Catesby and co. were fleeing to the Midlands to start that reed vault and stealing supplies and weaponry along the way, for example, from Warwick Castle. The group were burned by a fire started for attempts to dry out some wet gunpowder in front of a fire. Oh dear. The sheriff of Worcestershire had 200 men then besieged Holbitch House 
not sure on the pronunciation there, but that's what I'm going with, where the conspirators were holding out and all were either killed or captured on the 8th of November. Catesby, the Wright brothers and Thomas Percy were shot dead, meaning that nine of the conspirators were captured. Robert Wintour wasn't apprehended until January the 9th, 1606, but he too was tried. Francis Tresham, meanwhile, had died of a dick condition whilst prisoner at the tower on the 23rd of December, 1605. Old times were tough, son. I was about to say, do you know the condition? Or, like, just, he was a dick? No, or... no, a, a difficulty with his penis, yeah. Guy, like the other conspirators, was convicted of high treason on January the 27th, 1606, and the king wanted to make an example. On the 30th of January, 1606, Robert Wintour, Everard Digby, John Grant, and Thomas Bates were executed. In Westminster's Old Palace Yard on the 31st of January, 1606, it was time. The four conspirators remaining alive were two to be hung, drawn and quartered, aka dragged by horse to the site, hung to the point of death, they'd have their dicks cut off before being disemboweled, beheaded and chopped into four pieces. You do not want to be hung, drawn and quartered, my friends. Even if you don't have a winky. One by one, that's exactly what happened, and Guy was up last after Thomas Wintour Ambrose Rookwood, sorry, Rookwood, (laughs) easy for me to say, and Robert Keyes. Guy, however, despite his torture, mustered just enough energy on the gallows to jump off and managed to snap his neck, therefore avoiding the other unpleasantries the others had endured. Guy was still courted posthumously. Guy was 35 years of age. The gunpowder plot had the exact opposite of the desired effect, accelerating the persecution of Catholics, though overall King James's reign was a period of leniency for Catholics. I'll just add here that today, Boffin's query whether the 36 gunpowder barrels actually even would have taken down Parliament and King as it's believed that the gunpowder may have gone off, as we kind of touched upon. If it was live, though, a 2005 reconstruction for British television channel ITV evidenced that everyone within a 330-foot, aka 100-metre radius, would have been buggered. Meanwhile, priest Father Henry Garnet was also executed for complicity in the plot, but may not have actually known much about it further than hearing in confession that a plot existed, to which confession rules forbade the father from sharing. (laughs) That man was screwed by the job. Fucked if he did, fucked if he didn't. Absolutely. He had no, no chance, did he? Let's hope he went to heaven afterwards then for obeying the real king. What if he lived holy for his whole life, obeyed the rules, just at the point of execution where he felt that first connect, he was like, shit, and he'd cursed. <laughs> Therefore, he went to hell. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, relax, guy. Oh, no. A pious life ruined in the last moments. The very last Fred. Ah. <laughs> Why do they need to cut their dicks I was, off? I was just about to ask, <laughs> was that to not dissuade, but just to, for sh- was it for show? 
Partially. I mean, in these times, there was no TV. You couldn't turn on the TV and watch Game of Thrones. You needed entertainment. And execution was a big form of entertainment. The yeah. people loved it. The gorier, the better. Put on a show. Firstly, entertainment. Secondly, that puts people off being bad because you do not want your dick cut off if you're a person, if you're a bloke anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want anything cut off really, do you? No. Not only did Guy Fawkes have a gruesome passing, but clearly Guy also left behind some unfinished business. When you put those two factors together, the paranormal energy seems to get supercharged and we can be left with a ghostly presence. In previous episodes, we've covered the two main lines of thinking for where spirits haunt, whereby they either end up tethered to where they passed, or they possibly have the ability to choose to haunt a place that was special to them in life. Special to Guy Fawkes was the town of his birth, York. Old <coughs> York. <laughs> there is a place in Old York, inauspiciously named as the Guy Fawkes Inn, in Petergate. This is said to be the very spot of Guy's birth, and Guy was baptised across the street at the St. Michael Le Belfre Church, which also still stands today. The Guy Fawkes Inn, as an establishment formerly owned by Guy and family, is prohibited from celebrating Bonfire Night. The inn uses the names of the gunpowder plotters for the rooms, rather than room numbers, which, if you ask me, is brilliant. The actual Georgian Terrace was built more than a hundred years after Guy's death, but the old cottage behind Guy Fawkes Inn, which is a part of the inn, may indeed be the site of Guy's birth. For the Spookies, we head to the most reliable of sources, TripAdvisor. <laughs> Simon H details that during their 2012 stay, Simon barely slept due to unusual occurrences around 4am. Simon doesn't elaborate. Another TripAdvisor reviewer, Amanda underscore R underscore T, details that when staying with her sister overnight, Amanda was awoken by her sister, adamant that the figure was in the room with them. Amanda does go on to state that somebody has set the television to turn itself on at 1.30, but that someone could have been Guy. A landlady of the pub itself detailed to York Press, aka Old York Press, that a friendly gentleman ghost frequents the bar, evidently enjoying a brandy as a bottle of Cavossier will make its way to the front of the shelf at night and sometimes bar staff will come in the next day to find the bottle on the bar. Two small children are also said to haunt the inn, but these are unrelated, so we won't be covering those. <laughs> Me and Mr. Moonwalker just breaking it down in this biatch, <laughs> busting out the robot shiat. I went to the pages of the internet to get evidence on this one. With the bottle of Cavassier that one shall pass ending up on the bar mm -hmm. is there just an alcoholic that, or a, moon, a moonwalker? <laughs> <laughs> there is an alcoholic moonwalker. <coughs> alcoholic moonwalker is out and about. Or a sleepwalker that happens to make their way down and just gets himself a drink and goes back upstairs. So I don't think 
the facilities would enable a sleepwalker to access behind the bar. Do we have video evidence of the bottle making its way from the shelf? Son, that would spoil the fun, wouldn't it? I'll take that as a no. What are you trying to spoil for? I'm being an investigator. (laughs) I'm asking the tough questions. I need proof. You're starting to sound like a mib. Former mib. Then why do you need proof? I'm reverting back to my role, my roots. Better pull those roots out. Plant a new seed. You can take the mib out the academy, but you can't take the academy out the mib. It never got past the first office. I was in. <laughs> One foot in the door. It's all it took. The energy ran through me. Full I blow. am an investigator. I'm a level three in mibbing off. Guy, <laughs> Guy Mib Fawkes was tortured in the Tower of London. The Tower of London is said to be haunted by 13 ghosts. And we may cover a couple more of those at a later date. If you venture down into the White Tower basement, aka dungeon, the site of Guy's torture, you may still hear the gut-wrenching, curdled screams of Guy today. I did try, and I could only find Sightseer and London Tour accounts of this rather than any recordings, but it is a pretty popular tale, and the sounds of torture can't be nice. I really hoped we had a gold mine here, but it just isn't there, I'm afraid. Guy is said to also haunt Robert Catesby's home, and in particular, the gatehouse, aka plot room, at the manor house in Ashby St. Ledgers, close to Daventry. I could find no direct evidence of this haunting either. So, a ghost that manages to haunt several locations. Yes. How do you think they travel to and from these locations? Horse. Ghost horse. Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've we've covered um, footage of a ghost in a taxi before, you may remember. Yeah. Well, perhaps that, that was on your birthday, wasn't it, actually? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? I think it was, yeah. Or was it just an episode? No, I'm pretty sure. Well, we've covered it a couple of times, but specifically I'm thinking of it on your birthday where we covered the victims of the tsunami and whatnot. Can't and we watched the footage... Do you think, because there's a few stories where people will say if you go to a location where someone died, you can hear the screams of those, like when they were tortured or whatever. Yep, yep. Didn't actually die in there. So why are we hearing the torture screams? So for Guy specifically, he died on site, not necessarily in that specific room, but you could probably hear his screams across the whole of the site okay like if you were to shout at one end of a field someone at the other end of the field could hear it do you know what i mean it might not be as loud as if you're in the same room as them but i see what you're saying we're talking about guy being proper tortured here and having his wang pulled and stretched could also be used as a marketing tool to put small speakers in there and just have (laughs) Um, recordings of Encourage, yeah, people yeah. screaming in them. Tourism. Mm-hmm. Could be. If they haven't done that, they should probably think about it because that would also be awesome. 
Bit grim, but awesome. Enough time has passed. We end our accounts with that of Viscountess Boudica, to which I'll link in the episode notes. As far as I can make out, Boudica was a well-known and somewhat eccentric local who would catwalk the streets in wondrous outfits in Bethnal Green, London, during the early 2000s before having to relocate due to the council raising rent costs in the 2010s. Boudica, it transpires, has been visited by, and indeed married, Guy Fawkes. Oh yes. I was about to say, Boudica, Boudica, 619. <laughs> it, oh, fuck off, did you marry uh, 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 We've got evidence of this bit, my friend. It all started during Boudicca's visit to the Tower of London with a friend. I'll cut this short because the account is rather long, but in a nutshell, Boudicca detailed that whenever they'd pass the tower on the London Underground, the lights would flicker. During the visit, the room Boudicca was in went all cold. Then as Boudicca went up some stairs, Boudicca saw a ghost with a tall pointy hat and a beard. You know who it was. He never had a fucking tall pointy hat. It's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> she <laughs> married Lincoln. Lincoln, baby. <coughs> now we know his purpose. He was out looking for a ghost wife. <laughs> Guy winked and smiled and boom, it was love. A flying tarot card reading later, as in the card started hovering, Boudicca discovered that Guy had always been with Boudicca. Soon thereafter, Guy had appeared to a doctor during Boudicca's time in hospital and signed Boudicca's release papers after the doctor had been struggling to find the next of kin. No, we don't have those papers. It turns out that Boudicca had married Guy Fawkes in a past life. Boudicca has taken a photo of Guy's apparition, which I'm going to show Mr. Moonwalker now, followed by a photo of Boudicca and Guy enjoying spring together. If you'd like to check these out. I'm going to just tape a, tape, tape a sip. I'm going to take a sip of my drink just to settle myself before I have a look at this picture. Mm-hmm. And these are completely legitimate photos, I will genuinely say. Mm. <laughs> So Boudicca has presented these as legitimate <laughs> evidence. <laughs> I'm not even joking. No, she hasn't. Yes, yes, no. she has. Uh, there aren't even like this isn't the only one. There are several of these. <laughs> Mr. Moonwalker, <laughs> he is no more. Oh my god, oh my god. Oh, what's so funny? Okay, picture number one. 
we have a blurry close-up of a man's face. Extreme close-up. That, that is literally it. Extreme close-up of a man's face. And how are you going to describe picture very, two? very blurry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, describe this picture to me. Okay. Um... <laughs> Okay, the very best way for me to describe this picture is Oblivion Graphics photoshopped onto 4K background. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have, yeah, uh, Boudicca photoshopped on one side in a lovely gown, and it looks like Henry VIII photoshopped on the other side. <laughs> Except he's got a blue hat on. Why does he have a blue cowboy hat on? They're, they're, they're in front of a flowery field. The flowers are the size of both of these people. <laughs> That's not uh, real. So, uh, Boudicca has also produced some drawings for a novel about Boudicca's life no. with Guy, a.k.a. Guido, <laughs> to which Boudicca reportedly sold 30 copies with the proceeds donated to support Ukraine. In the war with Russia. She's done them this recently. Yeah. The books went for £20 and were signed by Boudicca and Guido. How has she sold 30? I, I Did feel, she buy them herself? I feel very conflicted in this segment, but funk it, it's for a good cause we are in. Aren't we, Mr Moonwalker? Aren't we? You're about to show me the artwork, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, now, now, two, one of two things is going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Either she is just terrible with her computer, therefore the photoshopped images are <laughs> like, that's, I mean, that's bad. This is probably the worst image we've ever covered <laughs> on this podcast, and that is saying quite a lot. I mean, I know I've shown you pictures and said that they're real, <laughs> but this takes a biscuit. <laughs> it so, takes a Jaffa cake. So, so bad. So, yeah, honestly, the, the, this isn't on that level. It really isn't. It's going to be, she's actually fantastic at art, or a three-year-old child has more so, artistic skill. Let, let me take that back. Let me take that back. I know where you're going. You have more <laughs> artistic skill. I'd argue we're on a comparative level. <laughs> laugh so much that I'm always going to hold a special place in my heart for this person. They look similar. Do, do you want to know what's worse? What's worse? What's worse is she has written something in it. <laughs> oh no. The unbreakable link that exists between us. However, she's not put the or the, sorry, she's put the uh -huh. As in T-H-E-E -E, mm -hmm. Unbreakable link And she spelled unbreakable wrong 
Don't get me wrong, I'm not one of I mean, these. You've not even mentioned the shoulders. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm not one of these people that like spell checks what people do or what people write. If you're going to publish it though. Yeah. Oh, it exists. It's spelled wrong as well. An extra I didn't S. even notice that. It's an extra S. Exists. Yeah. I hadn't, I genuinely hadn't noticed that one. Oh dear. So we we are at the end of the episode here. I I don't like right. Art is words in the eye of the beholder. Art is subjective. Mm hmm. Their arms are longer than their legs. <laughs> <laughs> And not by a little bit either. We're talking more than double <laughs> these orangutan mother truckers. Can you remember a few episodes ago we spoke about my character Wolfie? Yeah. And how Brad. yeah, yeah. That's what guy's legs are. <laughs> He's got one really chunky and one really slim leg. Oh my gosh. We're gonna have to post these images when this episode comes out. Oh dear. I really feel like we're taking the mick out of someone vulnerable, but I'm sorry you've published these. I think I don't I looked into this person quite significantly and I don't know that I described them as vulnerable well, eccentric was the word I'd go for. Okay, cool. So like they they were well known in the local area for walking around in glamorous dresses and being a character like part of the furniture in that area, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we've just pissed off everyone in that area. Well, I I hope that people are kind of along for the ride. I hope they don't take this in like a, oh, this is 100% legitimate, we're offended kind of way. Is he holding a lantern? Well, yeah. Of course he is. Got to see, any. He? he? looks like he's wearing... Um... How else would you know it's Guy Fawkes? <laughs> I like his tongue. Do you know when you see... In fact, both their tongues are hanging in the middle of their mouths. <laughs> You know when you see old cartoons or images of US in mm -hmm. Thanksgiving? Oh, okay, yeah. That's it. Yep. And you'd see, like, the men in the grey suits with the hats and turkeys. Yeah, yeah. That's what he looks like. Well, this wasn't a huge amount of time after those times. Not a huge amount, only a few hundred years. <laughs> Counting the fingers. Right, we're going to have to wrap this one up. They they do have five. I counted those and checked. <laughs> Sadly. In summary, we've today probed the real, true story of Guy Fawkes and the gunpowder plot. Guy was born to a Protestant family, but after the passing of Guy's father and his mother's new marriage, Guy converted to Catholicism and went to fight for Catholic Spain in the 80-year war. At that time, Robert Catesby Thomas Wintour and Honourable John Wright were laying the seeds of a plot to kill Protestant King James I and most of Protestant Parliament. The conspirators planned to then start an uprising in the Midlands and install King James's daughter as a public Catholic Queen. Robert Catesby was the mastermind of the gunpowder plot and sent Thomas Winter to recruit in Spain where Winter sought out Guy Fawkes. 
The first five members of the conspirators then met on the 20th of May 1604 to thrash out that initial plan, a plan to blow up King James during the opening of Parliament before causing an uprising and installing a puppet queen to be raised as a Catholic. The group rented a cellar beneath the House of Lords in March 1605 and loaded it with 36 gunpowder barrels whilst Parliament was delayed to November 1605. On the 26th of October 1605, a servant of the 4th Baron Monteagle of the House of Lords received an anonymous letter warning to stay away from Parliament. Suspicions were raised and a search ensued whereby Guy Fawkes was caught ready to light the fuse on the 5th of November 1605. Guy and the others were ultimately killed or captured, and those remaining alive were tortured for details before being sentenced to be hung, drawn and quartered on the 30th and 31st of January 1606. Three of the conspirators were killed before Guy on the 31st, and when it was Guy's turn, Guy managed to jump from the gallows and break his neck, saving Guy from watching his dick be cut off. Guy was still quartered and his head piked. Guy's fate having been tortured and then killed, was clearly miserable, and I speak for Granville here when I say that he believes that this led to Guy's spirit lingering on. Guy may visit the place of his birth, the Guy Fawkes Inn in York, Old York, where Guy was born in a cottage out back. Guy can also be heard wailing from the torture room of the Towers of London's White Tower basement. Meanwhile, Guy remains married to Boudicca, a flamboyant former London local, who has written a book about their relationship with Guido. Just as we close out here, I'll say that there is a lot more to the gunpowder plot involving many, many parties we haven't dug into here. There is a lot of information out there, so if you are so inclined, check it out. But that is it for the summary, so Mr Moonwalker, do you need to double back over anything we've covered, or are you ready to conclude? Food. Do we have proof? <laughs> <laughs> that guy agreed to marry Boudica. <laughs> I mean, we've got, yeah, we've got Boudica's drawings. There's nothing more I need to go over, sir. That's visual proof. There's nothing more I need to go over, sir. <laughs> Are you saying that it was spooky? I am not. Ah, <laughs> sport. I really thought I had you. <laughs> I'm not saying that it was spookies. Of course I am not. This tale was one of those historical cases I find really interesting researching, but Jesus Christ on roller skates, Boudicca. That segment was bonkers, and there is so much out there on that bit too. So, so much. This case sadly wasn't the one to convince me that Spookies exist, so I can't say that it's Spookies personally, but Guy's end of days were so very awful, so I can completely appreciate anyone who believes that Guy haunts Tower of London in particular. Any final thoughts, Mr Moonwalker, before we say toodle pip? No, no, none. I had nothing. <laughs> Ruined him. I am completely like Broken that. him. That is a wrap for today. Okay. Thank you for listening to... But it was aliens. If you enjoy the show and want to support us to keep on doing what we do, you can. Head on over to patreon.com. 
Instagram forward slash but it was aliens where you can find oh well actually where you can donate about the cost of a regular coffee and in exchange for free excluding that donation you will gain access to our side probes episodes too offensive or downright dirty for the general public to hear or too stupid we release these monthly and love to take on listener suggestions on that note if you do have any episode suggestions for the main show or the side probes you can drop us a little message on the application formerly known as twitter i'm at twitter x twitter at but it was aliens <laughs> And that is where you'll find us on all the other socials too. So that is it for this episode. Until next time. How do you make memory foam? Forget. The truth is up there. Hash tag pro.